the Gung Fu Crew Podcast, bringing together practitioners of various styles and schools and their unique perspectives to explore the world of Chinese martial arts. In this episode, we will talk about Chen style Tai Chi Chuan, because I had the opportunity to sit down with uh, Nabil Rene, um, one of my main teachers, also one of the founders of the CTN, the Chen style Tai Chi Chuan Network, an association that is by now not only active in Germany, but also in Italy, Spain, the US, and even Malaysia. We were both attending the Castle Days, our yearly training camp. Well, technically, I was attending, he was teaching. Uh, so I thought, you know, why not have him share his wisdom on Chinese martial arts in general, but specifically on Tai Chi Chuan, on health, Kung Fu, and many other interesting topics. I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed making it. And maybe you can uh, gain some insights regarding your own martial arts practice and your own journey. So uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy to have the opportunity to talk to you. Um, before we uh, dive into the depth of uh, Chinese martial arts and Tai Chi Chuan, um, maybe you want to quickly introduce yourself and let the listeners know who you are, what your background is, and uh, so that they know who I'm talking to. Yeah, thanks for inviting me and um, happy to see you. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm Nabil, I live in Berlin, Germany, and I mainly teach uh, Chen style Tai Chi Chuan nowadays. So um, yeah, I'm teaching in, in Berlin, I'm teaching abroad. And um, my background is that I, I learned uh, from Chen Yu, who's my, my what you call Shufu in, in Chinese. So I'd say he's like my, my teacher. Uh, in English um, and I basically I teach his, his forms his methods um, nowadays so that's uh, the main my main interest to mm. kind of um, yeah also maintain this this lineage you know and this teaching because I think it's there's so much like gold hidden in the Chinese martial arts which yeah. uh, um, we should like every every generation has to kind of dig for it again mm. and, and find it and just for for uh, to make this comprehensive you did also practice other other forms of taiji and also other martial arts a little bit like before right you didn't even yes. start or start out with chen yu's taiji but that is what you're focusing on now yeah i studied uh, in my teenage years i studied with taekwondo uh, because that was basically what Yeah. was the only thing which was around but even that was pretty difficult to get to yeah, same for me actually <laughs> yeah. and then i kind of maintained the practice but i didn't continuously practice or achieve anything um or no, i didn't really achieve much there but i, I still maintained the practice and, and it, it kind of shaped my early understanding of martial arts and i yeah and then i started to study chinese martial arts different uh, chinese martial arts then uh, started to do chen style more what we would call the village lines and then like uh, at some point I when I saw Chen Yu the first time I saw something of him like uh, actually I just saw a photo and at that moment in time actually I knew that I would one day study with him. I think we're gonna dive into that again a little bit later but since you already we already talked about different martial arts and we want to give the listeners a bit of a frame of reference um, maybe let's start really at the beginning or at the basics Like, how do you define martial art or martial arts? Like, what what is it to you and what makes a method of practice a martial art in your perspective? I think, wow, that's a tough question in a way. But um, 
I mean, if we look at the martial arts all over the world, I would think that there are certain like movement practices um, which can be, be a bit more like competitive and sporty. They, they can also be more cultural, but um, when they as soon as they kind of have some sort of martial intention with the movements, I would already probably say that they are like a martial art, mm -hmm. right? So in including weapons, bare hands, and essentially. Yeah, probably. This <laughs> is an interesting question. I I've never really d uh, defined it. So now that you asked me, I would say probably everything. Uh, in like, I would probably stop saying it's a martial art when we start using fire guns, mm -hmm. or even like I have to think like bows and stuff. Is yeah, it's also probably a martial art. So probably it has is some ancient roots. So mm -hmm. I would probably stop at the term like whenever it comes to firearms. But I'm not. I'm not sure if that's like a proper definition. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not that easy, right, to actually define it. Yeah. So I mean, we will talk about Chinese martial arts in in, in on the podcast, but also in our discussion here. Do you use the term kung fu or kung fu or wushu to describe what you do, or what like uh, I mean, other than tai chi chuan, obviously? And how would you how would you define these terms? Or like. Uh, yeah, wushu is uh, of course it's a, it's an old term. Um, and I think sometimes they also call it Wu Yi, right? And they, they had like different names. That um, kept changing even in period times, right? It's a, yeah. Um, so and nowadays, I, I think it's really um, connected to the modern Wushu, right? So, mm -hmm. which is more, much more acrobatic and um, yeah, it's like an acrobatic sport system, probably. So I don't really use the term Wushu to describe our practice. Um, And then Kung Fu, of course, yeah, I would use the term quite a lot because my also my teacher, um, he quite often referred to our practice as uh, Taiji Kung Fu. Mm. So meaning that we should all aspire to attain Kung Fu, like a, like a certain skill, a deep skill, which is acquired over time. So um, this is probably how I would define that, that term. Yeah. And in our terms, of course, it's like a martial skill, but it should be like, it's not about the technique, but it should be like the martial art is written into your body, right? It's, it's like be, really put an imprint on your body and your body structure, the way you move. So it, it's like a, it has become a deep skill in a way. So yeah. that is Kung Fu. I, I can't remember the third time you asked me. Well, I mean, Kung Fu, which technically is the same, but I mean, that's why I'm asking because you're using Kung Fu in the original meaning of the of the word and not as as a synonym for for martial arts as it's in modern times sometimes used um i think that's and that's why i ask because it's important to clarify mm. otherwise people might be very confused when you when you refer to this and they don't know the the background of the term actually yeah kung fu i never use the word kung fu uh, unless somebody asks me like oh do you do taiji or do you do kung fu, uh, the kung fu that's what a lot of people in the west ask and then i try to like explain more Yeah, it's like asking, do you drive a BMW or a car? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I mean, that's like uh, most, like a lot of schools uh, actually like um, started using the terms that way, you know, like you yeah, have yeah, a fast practice mm -hmm. and that is always like Kung Fu and then you have something slow. And so you can also have a bit of like an older uh, clientele. And, yeah. and so uh, I do understand the question a lot of people have. But of course, as you know, it's like not the traditional. Yeah, yeah, meaning. yeah, yeah. So what are what are typical characteristics or how, how do you define and describe like Taiji Chuan? Like in like what, what do you do? I mean, maybe you 
I don't know if you want to define it like for all forms of Taijichuan because there are also a lot of different varieties. Maybe it's just your what you, what you train and teach. But what are the defining characteristics of, of what you do? You know, um, this is a bit like a question where I have to, where I think about what detail should we talk about. Mm -hmm. Like I have a very, again, a very primitive sort of definition because, you know, like if you, if you looked at the, all the internet discussions over the last decades, sort of, and I read a lot about of that stuff, you know, yeah. in the, in the uh, when I was younger yeah. so um, there's a lot like people who say like Taiji is being defined by principles hmm. and I find that always problematic because uh, people are not using the same principles in different Taiji styles necessarily yeah. unless you say something like yin yang which is like very, very meta you know mm. so uh, I mean that's well You could even say, like, maybe the whole world is yin-yang because it's so meta, you know, so yeah. it's not really defining anything. So I find that a bit difficult. So I always like to choose a very primitive definition. And to me, the primitive de uh, definition is something like you do one of the five family styles of Tai Chuan or something which derived from those. Mm. So according to, like, most historical work, Uh, the practice came from Chen Changxing in, in Chen village, then spread over to the old Wu style, the Yang style, the another next Wu style, the Sun style. Um, and now we have the family styles. And then, of course, we have a lot of people who, who practice similar things or, or like even, I, of course, I would also include the styles which, which uh, come from the, the vicinity of the Chen village, like Zhao Bao, of course, and so on. So and I would just say like this is like the traditional, yeah. like almost like a historical definition. Yeah. So that doesn't say anything about if someone's doing one of those things in a very bad way. I would personally still say it's Taiji Chuan, you know, even if it doesn't adhere to any lot of Taiji related body work. But, yeah. but like externally speaking, it's still, I would still call it Taiji Chuan. Maybe it's not good Taiji Chuan, yeah. but it still is Taiji Chuan. Mm. And then all the styles can define what they um, define as good body work, you know, yeah. and that can then differ, I think. I think as a definition, I mean, it's coming more from a, also like a system theories perspective, I think as a definition that makes more sense because when you define, otherwise you have the, the fallacy, the, 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 um, there's no true Scotsman mm. uh, f fallacy where you just say, okay, only good Taiji is real Taiji and then like how, like, you will never actually arrive at any definition because it's always mm. very subjective. But talking about subjective, so just talking about like the Taiji that you practice, how would you describe, like what, what would you describe then as good Taiji Chuan from your perspective? There's, uh, <laughs> I could say a lot now. I don't know yeah, if we have yeah. time. Let's, no, I mean, let's, let's dive into it. I think it's two hours. <laughs> um, well, You, you basically want, you want to create something like a whole body force, right? Like um, like a Zhengti Hejin. Like, a, yeah, the, the whole body should be like a closed sort of unit uh, so it works together when, when we issue f forces and, and power and so on. So that's surely one of the, of the like higher goals of the practice, you know. And then that also entails somehow, of course it entails the body, Yeah, the arms, the torso, the legs, but it also entails like intentional work or 
or mind work in a way <laughs> because oh, quite obviously the brain is part of the body so if you want to like uh, create something like a whole body force that will include the neurological system in a way hmm. and a lot of intentional work and so you you try to become really unified in a, in a way and i think that's one of the higher goals and then of course you can talk about how do we achieve want to achieve that in our style because hmm. i think that's also like something which probably some styles would agree on yeah. and um, then well you have like on the technical level you have certain you have quite hard requirements in terms of how uh, big can should be your your stance stances how wide should your stances be how do you want to like set the the quad the hip uh, joints how can you connect it to the feet you know how can you be upright how can you drive movements from center and so on so that includes a lot of like very detailed sort of body work and creating a lot of gin like very specific gin mm. you know like pung would be of course one of the general gin force forces yeah sorry forces mm. that describes a lot of the practice so you, you we do a choreography which has been handed down like from chen Shang Xing to chen Farke, chen jokwe chen yu and then um, you you practice a gin inside this choreography, hmm. you know. Was that because you mentioned like when you saw Chen Yu, even like on a picture, but I would assume also when you then saw him in person, that you you knew like okay, so this is what I want to practice. I would assume that Chen Yu manifested a lot of these qualities, or maybe like all of them, to you. Like how how does it, like what was it exactly? Like we said, oh yeah. This is this is where I can see that that I wanna be. I wanna be able. I wanna have the skill set. I wanna have this kung fu. Like, what is it? What is he exemplifying, or what did he exemplify to you? Yeah, I mean, the the funny thing is, at the time I was already practicing Chen style, but I probably I couldn't name any of the qualities mm -hmm. really. So nowadays I would, um, of course, now now <laughs> I would like analyze it from a different kind of perspective you know yeah. so i was probably seeing i mean i was at the time i i, th I thought I, i i just saw something like like kung fu which like and the body which is like showing a lot of this kung fu you know it, it felt like oh this the body feels really heavy mm -hmm. very mobile very sort of supple and the spirit the martial spirit in the posture hmm. i really like that I, i i couldn't really grasp what i was seeing nowadays i would of, could of course uh, say the, how many like connections there are like mm. how the open closes in the body and so on so i i would be able to analyze it more but i think that i was seeing something quite unspecific but uh, i thought wow that's it's really great and then when i saw him the first time move i i always thought like oh that's such a natural way to move and such a powerful but also soft way in a way mm -hmm. like because all every part of the body really moves mm -hmm. so uh, that is in a way softness right so yeah i was i was really blown away and i think that's something which is really written into the sort of kung fu yeah and i, yeah, I remember that you, you mentioned once and i think this is kind of also important to establish because some people uh, you already mentioned that uh, the, the separation is like oh this is kung fu this is taiji is very common right with taiji being like the like practice for for the elderly and whatever You, but I think you mentioned that when you practiced push-ins or just partner practices with Chen Yu, uh, aside from, from the joint locks, we might talk about stuff like that later, but it felt like you were kind of, I had like a boulder rolling over you. So actually it wasn't just it looked powerful, actually it was quite powerful, right? When we're going to practice it. Yeah. 
there's always this thing when people talk about the soft power of Taiji, but I think it leads to a lot of problems, to be honest. Mm. And I think we should much more talk about connections. And then if you touch a connected body and if it moves, it can feel soft to you because it's moving and, and like luring you into emptiness sort of, you know. But on the other hand, it can also feel very, very hard. You know, if you're pushing into a very connected structure, it, it can feel hard to you. But both feelings don't really say anything about the structure. You know, it, it, it's just the feeling says something about how you feel about it, mm. how you experience it, and if it feels soft to you or hard to you. But, um, you know, this is like, a, like an external perspective. But when you're doing Tai Chi, if it feels soft or hard to the other person, it, it doesn't really matter to you, right? It should work in a way. No. And uh, I think that's something people think like, oh, I, if I touch something, like if I do Taiji and I touch uh, hands with a Taiji master or something, like, oh, it should feel very soft to me. But why should it be like that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just like, um, and quite often it's being used also to make the other person weak. Mm. So this is something um, where I think this talking about feelings, I mean, in, on the one hand, it's important, but not like talking about someone's body skills or so from an external perspective how it feels to you because it doesn't matter mm. it, ma it matters how you connect the body and how you not stiffen up the body but how you make it movable or like mobile from it can so it can move from segment to segment mm. in a coherent way and that is creating the gin right so of course if everything's moving it might feel very soft to the other person yeah so the idea is, I mean, uh, we, we talked about this before, obviously, but uh, you said there are actually tangible results that show skill and not, it's not just about the subjective feeling of, oh, you know, it feels nice when I, when I touch it, but actually there is something maybe not measurable, but, but uh, like I said, it works or it doesn't. And maybe that's, that's a more interesting baseline rather than some kind of um, highly subjective Uh, individual assessment of, of whether that movement feels soft or, or nice or, or something, right? Is that? Yeah, also because it's like an uh, like an external. Uh, I mean, feelings. It's like. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, they are important because we don't have much else, right? Like yeah. the the day we come into this world, we feel something, and and then we start to like like value like is it good? Is it bad? Blah blah blah. But um, so we have we have nothing else really but um, to, the, that, uh, to communicate with other people or is even with ourselves you know so am I sitting straight where's my weight these are all feelings in a way mm -hmm. so it's good to, 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 to also cultivate them but they can also change mm -hmm. like in all these qualified these things where we actually attach values to, to feelings you know it's like already yeah. like an evaluation is it good is it bad is it soft is it hard This always changes from day to day anyway, mm. and with our experience it changes. So you can't have a feeling lead your practice, mm. you know. I think uh, in, in that regard, I, when I started learning from, uh, from Chen Yu, it was also very technical. I mean, of course you want to overcome the technical at one point, but you can't start with nothing yeah. and just overcoming everything in the day one. But mm. you have to put certain things into your body, like open close sounds so easy, but it's very difficult to do, you know, if mm. you like, you want to... <laughs> Like have a closing leg force if you, if you blah 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 you you have like um, how you connect the the upper body, it's uh, it's very specific and you have to put that into your body and then at some point you can transcend the art yeah. in a way you know and the the art shows 
in your way of life yeah and that's kung fu in a way but you still have to start from techniques yeah it's really like a music instrument you can't just say oh no i play a great song but first you have to do a scale or learn a note mm. or you know practice chords and stuff chords. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so i mean th there was a great segue because let, you know let's dive deeper into the training aspect you already gave kind of like an abstract like a rundown on a high level like how do you train for these skills then like what what would beginners expect how do you move to a more intermediate level and then maybe i mean maybe talking about the transcending aspect is not that easy you know put it into words but we can try how do you how do you train this well the most important tool or however you want to call it is definitely the the ilu the first road so that's the the choreography which everybody will learn who's studying in our style mm. so of course we have some jiben gung like um, basic exercises which help us to train certain aspects like certain rotations certain like stability or building power or whatever and um But then, like how we integrate the methods, that's usually we use the first road. So you start learning a choreography, but while you learn the choreography, you already learn all the, the methods, like the small methods, you know, also the big methods in terms of like, oh, stay upright, lift your head up, tuck your chin in. But then um, all, a lot of the finer methods, uh, what part of the body you lead from, you know, how you open and close, how you use, I don't know, the lower back, the upper back. So then it becomes much more specific, but it's always gin related. And mm. gin, of course, as you said, like it, it means force, but there's also like an intention behind it, right? So it's not like stupid force in the sense, oh, you push something in, but you don't really know what to do. But it's like, it's usually more articulate. It's more refined in a way like, If you're cutting inside something, how are you using the hand? How does it coordinate with the with the elbow? And then everything kind of derives from that. Yeah. And then you're basically stringing it all together. So this is a main practice. Um, and of course, some people like to learn it more like superficially, more like oh, externally going through the choreography. Mm. And then some people like to learn it more detailed from the beginning. And that's probably, I think, that achieves better results. Yeah. If it doesn't stifle your practice too much, you know, you, of course, you could also say like, oh, I can't do the first three movements. So you train it for the next 10 years because mm -hmm. they will never be perfect. That's a bit too much, uh, you know, but I think otherwise it's good to learn the details, to learn the next movement, learn it in details. You will forget something and then you learn it, learn it, learn it. And after a while, it will be like second nature in your body. Yeah. And I mean, when you talk about Iru, like the first form of kata i guess for for people who maybe background in japanese martial arts it is actually quite long right like how uh, it has officially 80, 89 yeah so in postures but some of them are actually involved several movements so uh, like uh, how long would you would it take you to actually practice like seriously practice the form if you do it as a as a whole piece to learn it or to practice to practice like to go through Yeah, if you do it really quickly, you could probably do it in 15 or 20 minutes. You just, it's a very superficial sort of, or very dynamic, you mm. just go through the movements. Then if you practice uh, a bit more about the contents, like you, you want to, then maybe it's 40 minutes. And then if you want to have like a very grinding, intense practice, it can be like 50 or 60 minutes. Mm. So essentially one form, one routine is actually a workout kind of. Yes. Yeah. If you do it properly after one form, you actually need some rest yeah if you if you do it like that yeah mm. but that i mean that's all, again very interesting i think for people who all, only know taiji you know as health practice for for the elderly 
it means it can be quite exhausting, right? There's a, a strong physical aspect. Would, would you call it athletic or? Well, there's this very strong physical aspect and it's, um, well, or let's say it can be. If you have more like cultivation, I, th I think I um, sometimes differentiate between training, which can be in intense and, um, and more cultivation. Mm -hmm. Cultivation, I think it's something like you, you're using the practice to benefit your daily life. Mm -hmm. So training is more like you're learning the art. You're back to like improving the art. Yeah. So uh, it can be quite intense on your body, quite obviously. But then if you're just like, using it to cultivate something, like to feel good after you're, after, I don't know, you, you, you were ill or you're getting up and you want to have a nice start into the day, then you're like, it's like cultivational practice. And cultivational practice is usually of lower intensity, I'd say, mm. you know. But um, both is like, it's, for me, it's like a balance you can't get up and then train like bitterly immediately because mm. uh, I don't think you can maintain that over a long, long period of time. Mm. So you have times where you train the art and times where you then, especially if you're getting older, where you more like cultivate the art and you, you integrate it more to your daily lives. Mm. So in a way it's, it's athletic, but I think athletic, um, at least to me, is quite often linked to, um, to a way to, um, where I would say it's not really linking the body. It's not like a whole body thing. It's more like something specific. Mm. Uh, I think that's how uh, a lot of more like modern sports sciences will view the body and, and body skills and so on. So uh, I'm not really using the term too often. Mm. Mm. But then like there's a Chinese term, Xia Kung Fu, right? Like kind of, I don't know how to translate it, actually, like laying down the foundation for Kung Fu, or like building Kung Fu. That would be the... the more demanding training yeah you invest in the kung fu you're, you're like and also while, while you're learning the methods you if your teachers i mean if your teacher's showing you something and you're like oh but this shouldn't feel too intense now that's a bit you can't really train like that right yeah. it's like if it feels intense or not it depends but you should put the method into the body yeah if your teacher is showing it so at least like if you go and learn from a traditional Chinese teacher, you know, yeah. so it's, it's not about how you feel, but you just do it in a way you, you're training the art and yeah. And then if, if you've trained it, you can use it in your daily life. You know? mm -hmm. So Ilo or first form, first routine is the main part. What other, I mean, you mentioned Ji Wen Gong, like basic exercises, what other elements are there and how do they relate to the training and also maybe the training progression? Like, I mean, uh, uh, second form partner practice, but maybe you can go a bit more into detail regarding the other aspects, the important aspects of, of, of the training. Oh yeah, you have the, the ELU, the first road. So um, like you said, it's like there's also like, um, and they're called chujia, like, um, I don't, I don't like segmenting the frame or something like mm -hmm. like explaining the, the the applications inside the the movements or like Jung farm mm -hmm. you know like application methods so and then of course that's like technical training you can do with a partner so and it's also about uh, understanding the form movements better you know like if, if you never um, encounter force in some way it's very difficult to understand how you have to kind of connect the body to uh, yeah, to become resilient and to sort of resist or not resisting in a, in a hard way but like in a like to to maintain your integrity sort of mm. so and that's basically what you can learn with a with a Jungfahr practice to learning the, to learn the techniques and 
uh, dissect the form in a way. And then we have the, the second road, which is like very similar to the first one, um, but more dynamic and more explosive, more jumps and so on. So it's maybe a bit more physically demanding, but even there, I'd, I'm not even sure if that's right. Like it is more dynamic, maybe it's not really more demanding. Different type of different type of training, just yeah. a different focus in a mm -hmm. way. And then of course you also have Jungfa there, so it's also like certain techniques which you can train with a partner. Mm -hmm. And then of course you have the tray show routines, um, where you basically train the, everything, like you have certain patterns to train with a partner. Mm -hmm. Pushing hands. Pushing like hands, mm -hmm. yeah. And then you can go uh, into into more freestyle applications and so on. Mm -hmm. So sparring. Sparring, intuitive. that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, there are also sub, uh, supplemental exercises, right? like for, for strength training, yeah. for conditioning. Yeah, is, is that a big... Again, people might be surprised, right? Taiji doesn't really... Usually doesn't evoke pictures of somebody actually training strength. Mm. What, 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 what role does conditioning play in, in traditional Taiji practice of, of your variant? Mm, yeah, I mean, um, Chen style has a lot of weapon forms, so that's also like a bit of conditioning practice in a way. Mm -hmm especially if you train with heavy, heavy weapons. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have certain things like uh, the, the bang or the chu, they call it like the, the short stick, which uh, involves a lot of twisting actions with the, with, a lot with the arms, but it's also training the waist and the torso power. Mm -hmm. And then of course you have the daga and the, the, the long pole. And then you can have do additional stuff like, I don't know, with stones or I usually take a kettlebell just because I, I couldn't really find a good heavy taiji ball, you know. Mm. And then you can do some conditioner training, condition training. But it's like, um, I wouldn't say it's like super important, but on the other hand, it's also not not important. It's, it's, I find it a bit difficult. Like you can, um, I think it's also like a bit about a certain stage of training. You, you should do some. Then once you've understood how to work with the weights, you can actually put everything into the form hmm. and then the form is so intense that you don't really need anything an anymore but um, I think it's also good to get some experience with weights and so on and then I'll always try to use um, like the, the Taiji Jin you know so yeah. you're not training a different sort of force but I would still use the Pong you know the, the expansive uh, sort of Jin and I would with a lot of tools I would of course use the Chan Rao, the, the twisting and winding sort of force mm. and so on. So there are a lot of Taiji aspects I would put into that training. And that's similar to partner training, right? Like you have some heavy object, if it's moving or if it's not moving, and then you basically want to maintain the same sort of principles because that's a very uh, good way to, how to cope with power. Yeah. So you mentioned kettlebells. So uh, I would assume that you are absolutely okay with misappropriating like other training tools but then bring in taiji principles or other exercises maybe as well and then modify them and, yeah. and include them when when you can use uh, like taiji ideas or, or other ideas from yeah. taiji chan and, yeah. so there's also like a condition train uh, training conditioning training where i think you which is probably not very good for the forms you know if you uh, force your body to do a lot of linear movements, hmm. for example, it's probably not really benefiting your Taiji practice. You know, does it? Would it hurt in your opinion, though, or is it just not really super helpful? Like, what's your personal experience with that? I, I personally, I probably think it it would hurt. Yeah, at okay. that point, it would hurt. At, because at, and at that point, what, what do you mean at that? Like a specific point in your training, or in well, if you're using a lot of 
um, that because in my mind that's a very personal decision yeah. you know that's yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't want to make like a like a I don't know like religion out of this but it's like a personal opinion I think when I pick an art up an art like this it, it's uh, it really changes your movement mm -hmm. changes your the way you you move you stabilize you perceive yourself in the world even like because we're working so much with the perceptive system in a way you know mm -hmm. like how to look how to hear blah 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 to then find practices which are like super counter which are contrary to that it does not seem very logical to me so i if i like the practice and i and i see how it's like i'm benefiting from it i just i just go for it you know so And then I personally, I would do things which are like really contrary to that. And then movements are tricky because if you bring your body to move in a very different way, I don't think it will actually, like you will benefit from it, but you will actually, you, your body doesn't know how to move. Mm -hmm. So it always has to be like an intellectual decision. Oh, do I move like this now or do I mm -hmm. move like that? And it because it doesn't become like second nature, so I would personally not not really do that. Mm. I can see it in people like who, who are studying certain arts, which are very contrary to that. Like for example, classical ballet. Mm. Again, I don't have anything against classical ballet, yeah. So it's not a like a quality assessment or so. Like a, but there is a is a movement habit inside yeah. the practice which is completely against the Taiji practice. Mm -hmm. So even if people are very athletic and they can super well coordinated, it's very difficult to move in the Taiji way. Mm. Not externally speaking, but more internally speaking. So um, then you have practices which are contradicting one another. So uh, at some point I would say it's probably not, not very useful. Mm. But of course, if that person is just like, oh, okay, I want this, I do want, want to do this, and they don't want to go do too deep, then of course it doesn't matter too much. But then if I sum up, or like I, I don't know if that's a fair summary, um, you, would, uh, you would advise against maybe practices or going deep in practices that try to kind of force you into a different habit of movement or a different idea of how you want to move your body, use your body, and you would prefer to maybe look for tools or exercises like maybe like clubs or the Bulgarian bag that allow you to stick closer to the idea of movement behind Taiji Chuan, right? That you can yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah. And then if you're doing a different martial art, too, you can also still look for the same sort of, you can do that, but it, it's like if you look for the same sort of like patterns inside your body, mm. you know. But it does sound a little bit like the, the Taiji Chuan that you practice is a bit jealous in the sense of it doesn't, doesn't really like to share the stage with the... <laughs> Or like a, split the attention, you know, across different styles. Is is that? Would you say that's that's kind of? I don't know. I mean, jealous means uh, I don't think we have to. Jealous sounds a bit like uh, it should or looking down at something, or it's like very emotional. Hmm. I'm trying to make it like very uh, logical. You know, it's like if you're learning how to stretch out your arm all the time and how to generate power with that your body will learn that yeah and it's it's working in a way if you're like you're stretching out your arm uh, into someone's face it will probably hurt mm. you know so and if you do that a lot of times it will probably hurt more so it's working it's fine but for taiji practice there are reasons why we don't want to do that and how we connect the body and how we work with rotational forces i would say like why don't you just use more rotational force and and pimp the movement in a way rather than doing the other movement in another 
and learning another movement pattern you know so so it's it's a logical argument it's not about being jealous mm -hmm. necessarily yeah you don't want to continually fight or you don't want to have different habits fighting each other kind of like in, in, in the way you move yeah um, because like these martial arts I think that's a lot of people don't really talk about it or I don't know it's like they entail a certain strategy also mm -hmm. they, they they are very like a very integrated sort of practice so um, if you use Taiji Chuan there's a way of, of movement of course how, how you move but there's also like how you connect to the opponent and how what is your strategy to cope with with that other person in a, in a martial situation so yeah. it's not arbitrary you know you can't choose another strategy and move in the taiji way yeah or vice versa it, it, it doesn't really make too much sense so mm. so if you want to develop these specific skills you kind of have to train that that specific way also to have these skills come out yeah essentially. yeah and since you already mentioned like strategy and the kind of you know the training can be means to an end like what is that and what is the strategy you, you talked about like confrontation what's the frame of reference here like like The, the martial aspect yeah like um, for example like Taiji Chuan it does not favor too many long range sort of things you know mm -hmm. so like uh, if, if you want to and it's not not jealous in the sense like if you wanted to do a, for example like a competition art a sport a martial comp competition sport then of course you could also do Taiji Chuan and go into that format and also work with a lot of Taiji stuff But some formats would be better suited mm. than others, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you choose a long-range format, it would probably not be so well suited, and uh, you could not use a lot of the things. So then again, we would have a bit of like a contrary sort of training effect. Yeah. Other formats are probably uh, you can benefit a lot from them, mm -hmm. you know. So it's not necessarily jealous in the sense like just generally being jealous, but yeah. more like looking for certain skills which you can, which are more congruent to one another and yeah. more coherent. And um, what you said, I think, like, it's a traditional martial art, so it actually comes from a very archaic sort of mindset. It's very brutal in many senses, you know, how you envision a fight. It's like, it's not nice. Mm. It's, uh, you go in full throttle with everything you have. You you punch, you rip, you china, joint lock, you know, you, you press points, whatever you... It's... Uh, It's not a very nice art in that sense. Yeah, you're, you're trying to attack a lot of anatomical weak spots, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you're not, but it doesn't mean you become a weak, uh, like a nasty person or aggressive, you know. Mm. I've, usually most Taiji people are actually quite nice people. So, But uh, the strategy is definitely not nice. Mm. You know, it's not like a super gentleman art or whatever then it wouldn't work very well, you know. Mm. So I think the, the, the fighting context is, is actually quite brutal in a way it's not very sporty or yeah gentleman like but you already mentioned this idea of like you know different formats and different skill sets can you can you elaborate a little bit on that like i mean you you don't have to kind of come up with a very specific rule set where you say hey this would actually work but like in general terms you said so long long range you don't like taiji chuan doesn't build a lot of skills that might be super useful in such a like a long range competitive format then what are the skills that you would develop with taiji and And how will you? How is what? Like, what is the idea behind their usage and their application in a in a physical confrontation? Well, you, you generally speaking, you will develop a lot of stability and mobility. So, <laughs> stability means like people. It's difficult for people to to move you around, to throw you, to to uh, bring you in situations where you don't want to be. And the 
uh, mobility is of course you you can issue a lot of power in like a lot of shapes mm -hmm. very short shapes also like or like short movements and in, in certain shapes where i think a lot of people would think oh, how can you actually issue power from that position so i think that's something that taiji would definitely uh, develop and um, then also i teach a lot of stepping methods for example like there's certain yeah how you, how do you step in confrontational uh, context and how you can make the stepping nimble and so on and uh, then of course all the china skills like the joint locking and 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 different ways to hit and so on so i think you can put that into a lot of uh, different uh, contexts mm. if you like to do that you know mm. and since since you mentioned that it, it can be quite nasty how do you safely train that like how do you how do you approach training for techniques that seem to be a bit difficult to practice in a, in a nice manner yeah uh, that's something as i think you um we have to talk about mindset in a way i think if we were, were perfect teachers you know and i'm the least perfect teacher you can ever choose to have so you would probably create formats which take certain aspects of the training and you would also um, teach the mindset which is like which with which this format would make sense you know like for example you take a drill to to, move, to learn a certain technique so in that drill it doesn't really make sense to become super competitive mm. because then it would always mean you're going out of the pattern yeah so it's a bit like a very linear sort of a very <laughs> mindset you know it's like oh you just do the drill 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 and uh, your body learns that way but it's not like a super creative sort of mindset But uh, then you might have a have a, something where you teach something like a, a very maybe a very dangerous technique. So again, it doesn't make sense to do that in a very competitive format because the the uh, possibility of injury would be too high. So you have to do it with a very like cooperative sort of mindset. Then you can maybe can do a competitive exercise where you have very clear rules. Mm -hmm. You know, like. I don't know sumo or, or push hands rules or whatever so okay people can use a lot of their power and and make mistakes but also like just go go a bit more intense mm -hmm. you know but they you're like okay they won't hurt each other too much mm -hmm. and then you might uh you know i don't know have conditioning training or you might have you also can have creative training where you say oh now you can invent techniques or you go free flow mm -hmm. you know And uh, then people can become creative and thoughtful of one another so they don't hurt one another. But it's actually always like a different mindset. And I think uh, that way we can kind of dissect the whole segment of like Taiji application possibilities and train them. Yeah. And then if you want to be more specific about a very specific like uh, combat sport, then of course that combat sport would uh, tell you what rules you can yeah. adhere to. Mm -hmm. So the martial side, I think, now came out nicely. Obviously, I mean, not just for Taijitron, but especially for Taijitron, I think it's important to also consider the health aspect because that is what a lot of people associate with Taiji. Um, and maybe that is also one of the characteristics of a lot of Chinese martial arts, right? That is kind of kind of built in. But, uh, but how, how would you define health and, and how do you cultivate it or, or protect it, boost it um, in, in, through Taiji practice? I mean, health, it, there's like the prevention aspect and then the rehabilitation, right? So, and I think, the, like you say, like the Chinese martial arts, they, not always, but quite often, they have some health aspects uh, put into them because like traditionally, of course, you want to practice something, but you don't want to ruin your, your body 
practicing that. Mm. So in Tai, in tai Jiuan, um, well, we work so much with a with a good body structure, you know. So yeah, the way we how we root our weight, for example, it's so important. So like if you if you don't think about your weight or like how you're you're you're, you're working with with gravity and how you're like connected to to the center of like center of gravity in your own body and how it falls down in uh, in your body kind of you know how you root then of course every movement will create lateral forces inside your body which will lead to a lot of joint problems for example mm. so that's why we really think about how to root how to rotate so um, for example the knee joints in our like Chen Yu is always like super um, clear about analyzing the knee problems which actually a lot of Taiji people have mm. you know, let's be honest mm. but um, the way he, he like really articulated is is actually like healing a lot of the knees you know because you hold them so stable and you build in more healthy movement patterns into your body yeah. so I think that's a lot, one of the aspects and then of course you have some metabolical aspects and neurological aspects because of the intention work which is like meditational work almost or it is in a way and then the breathing work so there's a lot of like um, like stimulating the parasympathetic system and so on so there's a lot of uh, things built into these practices which are very healthy yeah, yeah. would you say that kind of correct Taiji practice leads to health as a byproduct or is it a focus area or I think uh, you can't ask me I think you have to ask each and every practitioner mm -hmm. you know I don't think like the art tells you what should be your focus point but I think if you integrate Taiji um, almost as a way of life in a way then there will always be a certain balance between martial practice intention work meditation spiritual practice however you want to call that area you know that's a bit difficult and then the health area mm. i think there's a lot of interaction between the three areas and i don't think you need focus points anymore or the art tells you like for me personally i my focus area always changed over time mm. um but i always like i never lost any of these areas but it it kind of changes to and fro maybe one week this maybe next week this and i don't care too much about it yeah. you know Mm. And you already mentioned the, the mental training or the, the, the more mental aspects of the, of the training. Um, you said meditation or almost. I think, again, meditation is something that a lot of people associate with Tai Chi Chuan. What, what role does it play in, in the training and, and how, how is it integrated? Do you have specific exercises for this? Is it important or not? Would you even call it meditation, mental aspects, or how would you phrase it? I sometimes I find words when i speak them i find them difficult afterwards you know so i always, um yeah meditation i'm thinking like what does meditation mean to most people so i wasn't sure but meditation if you think about centering the mind then of course it is definitely meditation you know mm -hmm. you you see the mind as a part of your existence in a way and body the body is a part of that and your mind and then they You know, of course, we have there's a certain philosophy behind it. So you have the Qin, the Shen, the Yi, and you have different aspects of mind also, you know. So, and you also bring them into a balance. So, of course, every time, for example, the intention, you create an intention, it should not be like just a mental image, imagination, but you want your intention to 
or and you, to communicate with your body. So when you produce a gin, it's not like an imagination because then mm. it has no meaning. But you want to integrate it. So in a way, the whole the whole the whole mental area is being is a part of the whole of the body. Or it's like body mental aspects they become one integrated existence mm -hmm. and we're working on all aspects so in that sense i think it's also like meditation or internal work as they used to call it also so there's a lot of negung aspects in the art mm -hmm. yeah so i think i would say the the longer you do the art the more uh, prominent these aspects will actually become mm -hmm. but the, like i said they're essentially a part and there's an overlap maybe with other meditational practices but it's not necessarily 100% the same, right? It might, it might, there might be... No, I mean, you, all the meditational practices, they, they are so specific. So, mm. um, like, if you look at Taoist meditation, it's very specific, right? Yep. Or Buddhist meditation, it's also like the metta and the vipassana. It, it's quite specific. So, you have those meditational practices. Of course, you can do them and then... But it's not, not necessarily a part of Tai Chi Chuan. But there's some relationship. So, of course, we use a lot of the terms same terms but we have it in our practice so yeah. for example the breathing practice you know you don't breathe in the way you would necessarily breathe when you're doing a sitting meditation mm. because uh, our shapes are different so our breathing will be different yeah. because it's integrated into the jinn work so it needs to be different so there's no right and wrong there it's just like a it's a different meditational practice in that regard so to, to, to clarify because i think this is uh, at least in my experience is something that sometimes comes up mm -hmm. like doing a different or very specific meditational practice is not going to give you the the negung aspects of tai chi chuan correct no, probably not unless it's it's uh, very specifically related to yeah yeah okay yeah because uh, again my experience that sometimes people think oh i just need these very specific meditational practices and then suddenly my tai chi chuan will be really good but uh, you talk a lot about integration so it's actually like a, a part of the whole thing yeah but, yeah i mean in that sense um coming from the the issue we had before i wouldn't think it it will uh, necessarily be contrary to the tai chi practice you know mm. if you like do meta practice or it will make you better as a as a human being so it, I, i think it's a very good practice um If it relates to the Taiji school, I don't know. Hmm. If you somehow have a karma mind, maybe it does, but it's not specifically working on the Taiji skills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think we covered a lot of ground, and I think a relatively clear picture should be emerging by now. Is there anything else that you think is really important regarding your, your training, your teaching, your practice that we haven't touched upon? Anything we've missed? No, I think nowadays. There's a lot of like thought about how can we use Tai Chi in like in other areas, and I think that's maybe something like if we use it in, like just for health purposes, maybe then we're kind of changing the art, we're using the art in a different area, which is good, I think, but um, it's not necessarily the art anymore, you know. I think then we, if we're using the art yeah. for a different purpose, uh, I think that's something we should differentiate, like working on the core of the art. Or using it to pimp something else, improve another practice. So if you're using Tai Chi and put it into another martial art, that's perfectly fine. I think there's a lot we can use 
from tidy train to make something else better or, or analyze something better and work on movement patterns in a more holistic way and so on but that's not necessarily necessarily tidy anymore mm. you know so but is it because you you cut off too much of the of the practice because you only focus maybe on one aspect or is it uh... yeah i think if you're using the art uh, then you're not working necessarily working on the art anymore i think like you know sometimes there's a thing like oh there's a great boxer out there mm. and so he's doing tai chi and it's, i think it's like it's also like in a way uh, it's it's not nice for the boxer you know he's like maybe a great boxer so why would anybody say like oh i'm doing tai chi no he's just a great boxer so but of course if you're t like teaching someone uh, i don't know like china skills you're like working uh, more on whole body rotational forces and they can use it in grappling or for whatever mm -hmm. then they can use it and maybe you give them an exercise from taiji but then to assume they are doing taiji when they're doing their grappling practices is somehow it doesn't feel right you know mm -hmm. it's like they're not suddenly doing taiji because taiji like i said before for, to me it's like a very primitive uh, definition that we are doing one of the styles and we are like working on those on this on this art in a way so if someone is using taiji but he has a different focus then i think we should differentiate it hmm. and we should be more clear in our language uh, because otherwise there's always this idea like oh if something is a martial art it should be be like used in uh, if it's re working then it should be used in all possible competitive situations mm -hmm. and i think that's a bit uh, it's not very it's you can't do that with any sport you know so i think that's making everything unclear so i think that's maybe something i would like to add i don't know if it, that was clear enough mm. um but so maybe maybe as a final question like how will or should your style school of martial arts then develop in the future like you already described certain things that you don't want to kind of see happening or it's not they're definitely not what you're kind of going for what would be your 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 goal or your wish yeah i mean i'm just one small person in a, in a big world so and uh, i'm not but i, w well, I would after this podcast <laughs> you're gonna be huge i mean no i would i would wish like um people concentrate in a in a good way on the core of the of the art you know just going deep into the art what was what are the traditional methods uh, how how can we make use of them how do they describe the body work the mind work and so so like going more towards the core of the practice uh, in a confident way you know but then at the same time to be open to share a lot with other things and arts and and uh, help to in a sense to diffuse the art into other areas but not change the art thereby you know mm. we, we still may have to maintain the core otherwise there will be nothing which is worthwhile anymore in a way but uh, of course it needs to communicate with other aspects of life so yeah. we should be more self-confident also like teaching the art to in other areas yeah without then saying okay that's taiji now yeah it's, it's one aspect of taiji but you're, you're hoping that there will be enough people who still practice the whole thing essentially yeah and then you, you can teach others who maybe might only be interested in aspects of it and then yeah can use it because for... both is fine yeah it's just it needs both you know yeah. if there's nobody there who practice the integrated methods but it's always just extracting the methods then they kind of lose a lot of their meaning yeah. in this often. so i yeah. think they become more superficial so that's uh, what i would yeah i would wish all right 
Well, I think after this podcast airs, your wishes will be <laughs> will, will materialize immediately. Oh wow! <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't oversell this. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, thank thank you very much for this very insightful talk. Uh, I hope the listeners also had fun by now listening to the to the episode and uh, yeah maybe we'll have another opportunity to to talk and and maybe also with others about specific aspects and uh, yeah um, until then keep practicing thanks for doing this thanks for listening to this episode i hope you had a great time the next episode will air next month and until then feel free to check out our instagram account where we also feature some of the people we talk to, other practitioners and teachers of Chinese martial arts, and anything else that might be interesting in the world of Kung Fu. Thanks, take care, and hope to meet again.